With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well. Thursday the 6th of July. Getting close to the weekend now, but still a little ways away from our first Mauricio Pochettino game in pre-season. But still got some stuff to get through today in terms of Chelsea news. Some significant Chelsea news. Cesar Azpilicueta bidding farewell to the club he's been at since August of 2012, nearly 11 years. And we will pay tribute to the man we call Dave today because uh, very emotional tribute to him. And it's right to, to give him his flowers and to talk about his legacy because it's pretty massive at Stamford Bridge. Also, these rumours that have come out are linking Paolo Dybala from Roma to Chelsea this summer and whether it's a player that Pochettino would actually like to see come in. And as, is that actually a smart move for Chelsea given the potentially low fee available for him from Serie A? We will also talk about Moises Casado because this thing feels like Groundhog Day. It feels like Chelsea have been in talks with Moises Casado uh, signing in from Brighton for weeks on end now. What is actually going on? And, um, you know, it's just kind of the usual transfer nonsense we hear each year and, and kind of whether you should take it that seriously or not. Hit that subscribe button, turn those notifications on. I do want to say before, I mean, it's weird saying this and I may say this at the end of the video moving forward, depending on how the social media wars go. You can follow me now on threads, uh, Instagram's new social media uh, platform that we didn't know anything about. Most of us didn't even know what it was 24 hours ago, but apparently now everyone is on it. And I did set up my new account this morning. So please go and follow me over there if you aren't on there already. Seems like a lot of people are now moving over to Fred. So it seems like a pretty good platform. My one criticism so far is no desktop version, which hopefully will be coming in the future. But Zuckerberg is is kind of doing a Denver bar and it feels like Elon Musk is, is slippy G in this situation with Twitter. So uh, we will see how that goes. So another platform for, for you to go and follow me on at Son of Chelsea. Very easy to do. Go and follow me there. But let's get into it. And we are going to start with Cesar Azpilicueta. We knew that Azpilicueta was likely going to be moving on from Chelsea this summer. I felt the way he kind of acted on the final game of the season was pretty telling. And it's kind of been, you know, writing on the wall that Dave was coming towards the end of his Chelsea career, even last summer when there were consistent rumours uh, around him moving to Barcelona and it was quite shocking actually that that did not happen and he actually signed a new contract but I think as things have gone on it's been quite clear this is the summer now for him to to move on and it, and it looked like Inter Milan was going to be the destination for him but instead it's Atletico Madrid but wherever he goes what we're going to focus on today is firstly the I think perfect tribute paid to him by Chelsea's media team. I gave them credit for the way they covered the Mauricio Pochettino first day in the interview. I'm giving them credit again because 
you know, just getting Aspilicueta at Stamford Bridge, a very raw interview where he is speaking about how much this club means to him, how much this last decade has meant to him, was really powerful. I, I don't know there are many Chelsea fans who, you know, you may struggle struggle to have dry eyes after that, uh, watching that, because you can see how much playing for Chelsea has meant for him, how much this period in his life ha- has been transformative. And I felt they they got, you know, a bit like you know, asking good questions. I felt that the way Aspilicueta, in his own words, was able to reflect on his career. And I've always found the the Dave story so magnificent because, and it's something that he directly referenced in the interview or, or the, you know, kind of speech, farewell speech he gave, in the sense that when he arrived at Chelsea in the summer of 2012, you know, he was joining a group of legends. Chelsea had just won the Champions League. We had just reached the Holy Grail. And he was walking into a dressing room, sure, that did not, didn't have Didier Drogba anymore, but still had Frank Lampard, still had John Terry, still had Ashley Cole, still had Petr Cech, still had Ivanovic, who he'd be competing with for, for minutes. It still had the bulk of the squad that had done incredible things, not only the Champions League, but before then. And as an eight million, seven, eight million pound player to come in as effectively a backup, to think that one day he would be regarded as a legend, to think one day he would be lifting a European Cup, our second European Cup as a club, it's quite incredible. It just is. And I also think from a career point of view and what we bought him for, we bought him as a backup right back. But I don't think he will be most known for anything really he did at right back. That's not to say he never had any good performances at right back. But just I think most people, when they think of Aspilicueta at his best at Stamford Bridge, they will reflect on the 14-15 season where we won the Premier League title, where he was a left back. I think at the time, Gary Neville called him the best defender in the Premier League. And I think JT ran him pretty close that year, but I can understand why. And of course, his right centre-back um, position under Antonio Conte. And then also he played in that role when he was the captain and, and lifted the Champions League under Thomas Tuchel. So the versatility has been incredible. And he is just, I think, a model professional, not only in terms of his levels of consistency, but also what I think as fans, we maybe don't appreciate enough is, is those players who are rugged, who are determined, who maybe aren't always the most flamboyant, who maybe are underrated for their talent because they are just seen as hardworking. But those seven, eight out of 10 players who do the essential intangible work that's so key for others. And a lot of the time of, of, of Aspilicueta's career, maybe he has gone sort of behind the scenes and, and maybe hasn't got the, the flowers that he needs. This is that day for him because, you know, of other attacking players he's worked with in the past or or just a sense that, you know, the goal scorers usually, it's not that Dave has scored a couple of goals in his time at Chelsea, but... I just feel that for him and for what young players, and he, he said a very direct message to young players, I think, in the future that, you know, giving your all, you know, working consistently, being a good professional from people who have interacted with Dave, um, from people who have worked with him, all of the messages you get, all of the references are positive. The way he was a spokesperson for the club off the pitch on the pitch and sure it was always going to be a tall ask for whoever followed JT as captain but it is still a remarkable career for someone who 
you know, is probably our greatest value signing when you think about what he has won. I just want to go for a tweet that Adam Newsom, my good friend, put on, on Twitter today. Nine trophies, four positions. Europa League, he was a right back. Premier League, he was a left back. League Cup, left back. Premier League, right centre back. FA Cup, right centre back. Europa League, right back. Champions League, right centre back. Super Cup, right wing back. And Club World Cup, right wing back. And also, of course, winning the Grand Slam of of trophies. Something that even the very great, you know, the icons of Chelsea Football Club haven't done. The fact that he has survived so much chaos, so many errors. That is something that I think is very difficult for people in the modern game to do because of how quickly things change, because of how, you know, players, I, I guess in kind of the modern age, maybe a little bit more open to moving quickly. And Chelsea have seen that this summer, the turnover in players, from not only this season but in recent years has been incredible this year and it again it highlights that longevity for Aspilicueta and the fact that he was a key player for so many of those trophy wins he was a starter for so many of those titles tells you the quality and tells you the trust that several elite coaches who worked at Chelsea had in him as a player and sure I personally felt that last summer was the best time for him to move on. I personally felt that his performance levels have dipped. I'm not going to stray away from that now. But that doesn't take away and has never taken away what Aspilicueta's legacy is at Chelsea. And that is as a legend. And I just loved his, uh, the graphic, the quote on his, uh, the graphic to say farewell to Chelsea fans. Because he obviously did it, you know, on video for, for Chelsea's media. But he also sent out a written letter um, on his social media. And he said... You called me Dave, I'll always call you home. Just emotional and um, absolutely deserved. I guess the big question now is, you know, Aspilicueta rides off into the sunset to go back to his nation and play for Atletico Madrid, which feels like a natural fit. Who's the next captain? That's a big question that's going on at the moment and I'd like to hear your thoughts in the comments below because the obvious one for me is Thiago Silva. But we, you know, this year we feel like it's going to be a transition to maybe younger centre-backs. And uh, Reese James is obviously one that has, has come into the discussion so many times. But is there another one that I haven't mentioned there that you think would be a really good captain for Chelsea? Let me know in the comments below. Now moving on to Paolo Dybala. Uh, Felix Johnston uh, reporting that Paolo Dybala is, is apparently a name on Chelsea's number 10 list this summer. He is not an active target at this point, he stresses, but was recommended by Pochettino as a versatile number 10 option. Club also like him and his cheap 12 million euro release clause. Poch has contacted his camp, but Chelsea haven't directly uh, yet. Apparently, Poch believes the player would transition very well into the English game and would add experience into the squad. I am not the most infused by this potential target because although the fee looks low, I, I expect for a player of his calibre, the wages are going to be pretty high. And um, he has been someone that suffered with injury. I know that was something that Jose Mourinho was, was struggling with at the end of, of this previous season as they got to the Europa League final. Now, I'm not opposed to the idea of a more experienced, older attacker for a short-term solution. Just, you know, because I have kind of, um, I've written a little bit about this. I've talked about this in terms of the lack of experience that people are concerned with, that, that Chelsea have let a lot of experience go this summer. My argument against that is we trusted a lot of experience last year and it didn't serve us that well. And also, the young players we do have, do have some experience in their own capacity. 
But as a striker, you know, if you could find an Olivier Giroud type player that we had, say, in a 1920 season to offer those moments of experience to lean on throughout the year for Pochettino when, say, a Nicholas Jackson is going through a difficult period or Amanda Breuer too, David Dachofafana, whoever is, is playing, I could understand the logic behind that. I guess the concern is we don't want another Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang situation. Chelsea are selling and are still struggling to sell some older attackers and I, I I guess that's my one concern and I also flip it and go would I rather give those minutes to Paolo Dybala or would I rather give them to Conor Gallagher or more so in a striker position would I give them to Armando Breuer, uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, um, Noni Manoake and I lean on that and also if Chelsea are looking for another wide player or another attacker I would prefer to go for a younger younger profile that's just my personal preference listen this is a quality player that's done some brilliant things in his career but I just it just feels again like this kind of Chelsea we go in for a player years past their prime and I just I think that that's a good destination for him at this point in his career I think he's so settled in that league he has been for a majority of his career now and, you know, I just, I just I just personally think there are probably better options out there for me rather than Dybala. But maybe you disagree. Maybe you think this would be a really shrewd piece of business this summer. Let me know in the comments below. Two other things before we wrap up. So Nazar Kinsella uh, on Fred, I was going to say tweeted it. I have to get used to saying, uh, posted it on Fred uh, Fred's today that uh, Moise Casado talks with Chelsea remain ongoing but are progressing quietly behind the scenes. Brighton midfielder is the priority after 212 million worth of player sales. That is a lot of money and you expect Chelsea to spend it significantly this window on a key position like central midfield. Kaiseido, I mean, we, we've heard so much and it feels like uh, Romano has been tweeting the same thing for about a month now. I think the most significant news I've heard on and, and seen reported was by David Ornstein that Chelsea had had, I think, over a 60 million bid not back for Casado uh, from Brighton. But this is, I, I did stress this, I think, either this week or last week, that this is going to take time. I just kind of get sick and tired of the non-update updates that we get now. And a lot of people take them and, and sort of latch onto them. I, I, I think that, unfortunately, we've just got to be patient and hope that a breakthrough can happen sooner rather than later because I think for preseason, as with any new signing, we know the benefit of getting them into those preseason games. But obviously, from a Brighton perspective, it's all right sort of hanging this thing out for as long as possible. Um, and how much are they willing to to give Casado his wish in terms of leaving? Because there, there has been an expectation that he will leave after not uh, departing in January when he made that very public statement. But uh Let's just hope we, we get some development because I'm sick and tired of the, the non-updates really at this point. The, just the final, final thing. Um, we, we did speak about the stake talks breaking down. The Chelsea Supporters Trust uh, released a statement today regarding this. Uh, the CST is really pleased that according to recent reports, Chelsea FC has listened to the very serious concerns of the trust and has acted accordingly. Over 77% of our members disagreed with the use of an online casino and betting company as the primary shirt sponsor. And if these reports are indeed correct, it demonstrates again that supporters can make a monumental difference. Our consistent message to the owners is clear. Make the supporters proud. Completely agree. And um, I, I know some people may roll their eyes, but it's it's not just about rejecting a sponsor because for, for whatever reason, like just... Um, outrage for outrage sake that's not the point it's um there are very valid concerns about stake 
there are very valid concerns about gambling within football that especially in the UK maybe if you're you know watching this or listening to this outside the UK it has become a massive issue in football and it's something that the Premier League is looking to clamp down on. At least Premier League clubs are agreeing to remove shirts, um, gambling sponsors from the front of their shirt. I know some people, again, you know, sponsorship over transfers. And, and I understand there is a concern to, to get sponsorship into the club from the, from the ownership. But I'd rather not have a sponsor than a bad one that is just going to cause more problems for this current ownership and is going to cause more headaches than solutions. That's just my view. And I think the fact that 77% of the supporters trust uh, members, I'm a part of that. I voted in that survey. Not, not exactly. I'm not going to give you a cookie for, for, for guessing which way I went. But it, it shows you, you know, the power of, of supporters. And, and it's glad that we, we could see a U-turn here. But the fact, I said this in yesterday's show, the fact that they were in negotiations for me is a little bit concerning. That is it for today's show. Follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea. Follow me on Fred's on Son of Chelsea. Uh, follow me on TikTok at Son of Chelsea. All of that good stuff. Thank you for watching and listening. And I'll see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.